Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Next Steps podcast from Citywide Baptist Church. This is where we are attempting, at least, to uh, go deeper into our teaching that we do on a Sunday and um, talk about the next steps that we can take in our lives. Uh, joining me today is uh, Matt Garvin, our senior pastor at Citywide, Pastor Paul Dare. And Anne Herbert, who is a member of our teaching team. I'm Matt Henderson. I'm one of the elders at Citywide Baptist Church. And um, yeah, welcome. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing what uh, we talked about on Sunday. So this, this podcast will contain spoilers for the, uh, the sermon from uh, yesterday, which was the 5th of uh, September. So before you Go on with this video if you weren't if you weren't tuned into us yesterday. Click on the link in the description, watch that, and then come back to us. Um, but before we get into talking about that, we've actually got some uh, mail pertaining to last week's discussion about tithing and offering offerings. Um, it's always exciting to get questions. We didn't actually think. We'd be getting questions yet. We thought we'd have to do a few episodes to get questions. Oh, and, um, and I love it because this is this is what we're about. We want to work out how this actually works. So anyone listening or watching, we'd love to get as many questions as you got. And Paul right. is going to answer them all. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got if you've got questions, throw them into the uh, comments section of our videos or um, send us an email at Citywide Baptist Church. Uh, so the question is from Pete. And he says here, uh, a question regarding tithing. What advice would you give to a person or family who believe in the principle of tithing, budget to tithe and practice tithing, and then suddenly their circumstances change, e.g. a major sickness or a loss of employment, resulting in a reduction in income and possibly an increase in expenses? which means they're no longer in a position to tithe or to tithe in the way that they intended to. What advice would you give to them? It's a great question from Pete. And uh, I, I reckon, uh, as I said, over to you, Paul. Yeah, Paul. Okay. I think that this is such an easy question to answer when it doesn't affect you. Um, if it doesn't affect you, the answer is tithe and trust God. Yeah, that, that, that's the biblical answer. When it's actually affecting you and you're living through it, it's a completely different story in your own mind, in your own heart, in the way things are happening. Mm. But if, if you actually stop and think about it, the amount you tithe will be different because tithe is based on 10% of your income. That's, that's the general principle or 10% of income. So I actually think that the amount you tithe would be less and it, and you would still be tithing. And it comes back to trusting God. And it's so easy to say for me sitting here as an outsider looking into your circumstances, not, not, not only your circumstances fully, but I firmly believe that still you should, on what you currently get, you should still tithe the tithe. Because once again, as we talked about last week, I've heard so many stories of people who are flat down on their luck, but they continue to trust God and God supplies their needs as opposed to their wants, their needs. And like mm. I said, but it's, it's between you and God. Honestly, it's between you and God, but that's what I would say. 
Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, Anne, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Um, well, I think, as Paul says, that if, when you have a different circumstance, then you have to think differently about your tithing in that circumstance. And 10% is a different percentage. And um, I think, too, that um, you may find that if your income overall for the year, for example, is going to be reduced, and it may impact on the fact that you've already given a whole lot more before your income changed. And then that's something that can factor into how much you might then want to apply for what's left of that year, for example. I mean, if you've budgeted for a year or for six months or however it works in your household. Mm. So um, I think, and I don't think God's unreasonable about all these things. He knows your circumstances. He knows your needs and he will provide. We know that because mm. he says it and Jesus said, um, to his followers, you know, don't worry about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when the time comes. And um, that's a real promise to hold on to in what are really difficult circumstances. And as Paul says, um, easy for somebody who isn't in your situation or a situation of somebody who has lost income to to speak into that situation, except that we know that um, you can trust God. And he is, and here's another bit of scripture that's always been one that's meant a lot to me. He is an ever-present help in times mm -hmm. so yeah. He'll give you insight into how you manage your money in that time. And mm -hmm. the that you need. Yeah, I mean, I know, I think I shared this last week. I mean, for my family, I mean, we are, by Australian standards, a, a low-income family. And um, we used to feel like oh, we couldn't afford to give. Um, we wanted to, but we didn't feel like we could afford it. And then there, there was certainly a, a decision made at a certain point, no, we're going to give more, um, even more than we actually think we can. And God just worked that out. Like we we didn't miss the money. It shouldn't have really worked out, but it did. Um, and, and I actually think that experience is probably shared by a lot of people in the church. If they're willing to, like Paul and Anne have said, if they're willing to trust um, that uh, God is faithful. Mm. Yeah. Um, Matt, did you have any extra thoughts? Look, it's the sort of thing, as I said, one of my frustrations for me uh, is all, always that we could talk for a long time about something like this. But I, I think Paul and Anne and, and you have really captured the heart of it. Uh, and uh, it's something we need to keep talking about. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, it is important, uh, particularly in the church in Australia, it can tend to be a very middle class uh, uh, community and sometimes we forget that that we also have people in our church communities who who have lower incomes uh we're whereas predominantly our church communities are often made up of people who have choices about what they do with their money um yeah it's important that we're mindful of that absolutely mm. um so yeah, moving on to uh this week we started our new sermon series the next steps series um maybe inspired by this podcast um tell us about what we talked about on sunday matt 
Yeah, well, they're certainly not unrelated. As we launch the Next Steps uh, podcast, we're launching the Next Steps uh, sermon series. And while the podcast will continue beyond the sermon series, the heart of it's still the same. Uh, we actually say in our church documents that we, we really want each week to be the kind of church that is encouraging people to take next steps in their relationship with God, next steps in their relationship with each other, and next steps in their relationship and understanding of themselves. Uh, and uh, this week, the, the, as we started this sermon series about what does it actually mean to take responsibility in your relationship with God to, to uh, take next steps. Uh, I, I felt a bit of a burden. I mean, the, uh, the, 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 the title of the sermon was Let's Get Real uh, because I, I do feel a bit of a, a burden that there's a job we've got to do to overcome consumer Christianity, that there's a, a model of church that has become normal uh, for us in the Western world that is about... Uh, church is here to meet my needs and uh, if it makes me feel uncomfortable then there's something wrong whereas actually uh, the picture I have is Jesus is going to continually make us uncomfortable because he's wanting us to grow he's wanting us to become free and so I uh, I mean I love teaching a bible book and we'll do that every year but uh, we're going to really hone in on what does it mean to to be a disciple of Jesus over over these next uh, five or six weeks and and just setting up the conversation uh, on Sunday and probably the, the central insight that I was trying to communicate with the whole message was uh, that you don't see the world as it is. You see it as you are and how you see the world impacts every aspect of your life uh, and that faith is learning to trust how God's how God sees the world and that how God sees the world is actually the truth. Uh, and that as we let Jesus take our hand, gradually he will actually be confronting how you see things. He will be gradually helping you grow and develop character. So I started off by talking about the block. Uh, it's, we watched the final finale of the, the week last night uh, and it's been bewildering for me. It's a, it's a little disturbing that this woman on the, the, the TV series, The Block, uh, is such a good liar. I don't know if she even knows she's lying. Uh, but she kept talking about her truth. And we live in a culture that just is all about your truth. And it just it really strikes me that it, our culture sounds a lot like the time of Judges where it says uh, everyone did as they saw fit. In our culture, that's good. Doing as you see fit is what's celebrated. Doing what you don't see fit, that's not celebrated. Uh, and And... Actually, when I was uh, at seminary, I did a bit of work and, and saw how the thing of how you see the world, I, I did some work on, the, on that as a theme right the way through the Bible, starting with uh, the first few chapters of Genesis and how uh, we were given this, uh, the whole garden, but the, the one tree we weren't made, meant to you know, grasp for was the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The, the idea that... Uh, you, God's saying to us, you can trust my reality or you can try and reach for your own. Reaching for your own is not going to end well. Uh, and we take the whole story of the Bible and Jesus comes uh, and says, he is the revelation of God's truth. He is the light. And then ultimately at the end of the, at the, end of the Bible, 
Uh, we don't have a city lit by uh, the sun and stars. We have a city lit by the truth of who Jesus is. And so that we end up seeing because of Jesus. Uh, and so it is, it's a major theme of the whole Bible, uh, but it really, uh, unpacking that, I, again, I'd love to spend more time unpacking it all, but, but, the, but the, the, just the reality that uh, we, we've emphasised in Christianity getting the right ideas, but Jesus time and time again said, look, I, I want you to focus on your heart, where, you, where, you, where your decisions are coming from. Uh, and that, and I, I put up this picture of a tree from, uh, that I, I got from uh, World, World Relief, is the organisation that put this out as part of, they, they use this tree as a model of uh, trying to train people in, uh, communities to get past their prejudices and 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 that it's, they realize it's often the beliefs that are the problem uh and uh anyway i as i as i saw what they were doing I thought, that's such an important truth that that and so i i keep leaning into that tree uh and so I, I put that up and said look and for the really the first half of the of the discussion of her first half of the message ended by throwing people to the a conversation that says look, reflect on your own life and where, what things in your own life have produced good fruit and what things in your own life have not produced good fruit so there's a whole lot of other stuff i was talking about and there's a whole lot of other stuff behind what i was talking about but that's probably enough in terms of the, the, what we tried to do in the first half of the message yeah well, there's a lot to unpack there um and and you, I was going to just to pick up on what Matt was talking about, about the tree. I loved the image of the tree. I think that image of the tree and the roots is actually one that we find often in the Bible as well. And as Matt spoke yesterday, I couldn't help thinking of a couple of um, verses that actually mean a great deal to me. One of the first one was from... Paul's letter to um, Christians at Ephesians, where he says, I pray that your roots may go down deep in love and um, that, that you will know the fullness of Christ's love in you. And, it, and that to me is, that's where our beliefs, if, if our beliefs are in, rooted in Christ and his love, mm. it makes such a difference to what that happens with with the tree if you like and what it produces and um and then the other one that came to me was um it's actually in hebrews chapter 12 and it talks about discontent and bitterness and um arguing that goes on in communities and, and in particular the church community and it says get rid of the bitter root mm. that grows among you um and again that's all related to the rooting yourself in love and how it can get tainted it can get um spoiled and poisoned by bitterness and um and this you know the, those kind of um not you know the opposite of loving which is where we christ calls us to be and that gets rooted it get, that's part of our beliefs when we believe things that lead us into a bitter and resentful view of other people it will show in what we do and how we behave in our actions and so forth. And the other one is one um, that's in the Old Testament from Isaiah. 
and um, it and it actually comes after what Jesus said about himself that he came to um, release people who were prisoners and he came to let um, he came to make the lame to walk again and all of these things and it goes on to I think that's the one I might be mixing it up um, but you know an oil of joy for mourning and so forth and then he says that you may be trees of righteousness a planting of the Lord and that's to me again it's planting ourselves in the rich soil rooted in love and the righteousness of God for the display of his splendor and when I think of who he is he is faithfulness he is love he is um, the provider and he expects he wants us as his people to be those things and we can only be those things when we are rooted in Christ's love. Yeah. So that's what and that was for me something, a picture or two several pictures that came to me from what Matt was talking about yesterday. Hmm. I mean, there's so much to unpack from 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 that just what what you've both had to say there. And um, goodness knows how long we're going to be here today unpacking this stuff. I, I want to go back to what Matt started with when he talked about that the dangers of the consumer-focused, seeker-sensitive, almost uh, focused way of doing church that we've fallen into very much in the Western world. And um, I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. It's an important conversation. I was just wondering, uh, Paul, if um, if you had any thoughts you wanted to share about that. I... <laughs> Yeah, one of my things uh, over the last few years, I've become, a, and I've been guilty of this as myself. Um, at one stage, I was myself thought that churches need to be seeker sensitive, and I've actually come away from that feeling because society has changed, and I think this probably goes back to two things really: um, the truth, which Matt talked about at the start of the sermon, just started start of today, is everybody has their own truth now. Mm. And so we live in, and this is probably the hardest thing for churches to admit, is the fact that we live in a pro, what they call a post-Christendom era. Christendom era. In other words, people don't go up, grow up knowing Christ. People don't go to church as a rule because of tradition. People go to church because they have a knowledge and they want more of a knowledge or they have a head knowledge and they want a heart knowledge of God. That's what people go to church for. And as part of that heart knowledge, you get the community, the authentic community, all that stuff. So I, I actually really like the idea of the getting real, the, the whole idea of it called getting real. I also like the idea of, and, and I've reflected on this, there's, there's someone whose name I won't mention, um, that said a few weeks ago, oh, I only go to church for me. And it really challenged me because the point of church is not, oh, is it the point of church for you? Or is it the point of church about God? And I think that should influence everything we do is because yeah. the church is not for you. The church is for God, for God, and God will work through you while you're at church. But church is primarily there to worship God. And I, I, that's what I come back to. And, and if per church is there to primarily worship God, therefore, it's not really seeker sensitive. It's got to be more godly focused if that makes sense uh, it reminds me very much there was a, a funny meme that i came across this week actually on a facebook group that i'm a part of for people who are uh creatives for their church 
And it, it was a, a funny little thing where of a person saying, I did not like the worship today. And the person responding to them said, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's great. Um, so Matt, you touched on this idea that uh, we all have beliefs, but that they don't always necessarily align with the Bible. They don't always necessarily align with what God wants. Um, do you want to elaborate on that a bit? Like you had some interesting things to say about how people live in their echo chambers today and stuff like that. I thought was really interesting. Yeah, well, I think this is part of the, the core question. Like at the moment, we're having these discussions about different beliefs. I've actually got a quote here that I, I was wondering about using, but I didn't, uh, from a client science, a climate scientist. Uh, and he said, I used to think that the top environmental problems were biodiversity loss, ecosystem collapse, and climate change. I thought that 30 years of good science could address these problems. I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed, and apathy. And to deal with these, we need a cultural and spiritual transformation. And we scientists don't know how to do that. And I, I think part of what I'm challenged by, I also don't know how well we in the church know how to do that. In that it's, it's one thing to deliver a service that reinforces people and help them feel good in how they currently see the world. But at the foundation of how I see the world, there is truth, but there is also stuff that's not true. And there's a whole lot of stuff I'm missing. And I don't know the difference. I feel yeah. as much integrity when I'm coming from truth as when I'm coming from something that's not true. Uh, and, and I feel as this, at the same level of discomfort when I'm doing something that is, even though I, you know, well, I'm coming from uh, something that's well. I'm working against what is true. Then, when I'm uh, feeling, um, it's interesting talking to people. Like for me, I had to confront my own racism when I went to um, Indonesia, and it was uncomfortable. And 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 I had to face my prejudices about uh, Indonesia. Uh, and and I find that God just keeps taking me to places where I have to. Uh, face my prejudices, where I have to face my wrong beliefs. And that that actually is the deep work that is at the heart of the gospel. I think that's what Paul means when he says, when the church is doing its work, people are becoming mature. Uh, mm. that they are, They're aligning their beliefs with what is actually true uh, and, and learning how to cope with the fact that there is a part of them that uh, is, is messy and and. and yeah, so I, look, there's a whole lot of layers to it. But I, I, what I, as I look around the church, I don't look around a bunch of people who've got it together. I, I look around a bunch of people who are as messy as anybody else out in the world. Uh, but hopefully we've got language to talk about that. And too often mm. we haven't. We, we've, we've somehow smuggled in this idea that as a Christian, you've got to have it together, which is serious in my view. Yeah, and and also we've we've we very much a lot of people seem to have this idea that 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 it it's right to feel comfortable at church, hmm. and, and I think it it's actually right to challenge that belief. Can I just? Um, I was actually going to leave this for the end of the podcast, but I've got to say it now because you've just challenged me. Thanks, Matt. Um, <laughs> and we're talking about discomfort and discord and. 
and probably more discomfort in the church. Yeah, I was listening to the start, the intro to this um, podcast. And I just don't know why we didn't acknowledge country in it. Mm. And it, it made me feel really uncomfortable when I actually listened to it. But I was going to mention it afterwards to, uh, on the quiet. But I actually think to show that how real we are as a church, I actually think I need to bring it up now. So I am bringing it up now. We need to acknowledge country. We, did, we just talked about racism and, and feeling mm. uncomfortable. Mm. And yet we didn't do it. And yeah, why? <laughs> And you see, that's, that's a classic example, you know, because it, it comes from not because of people are making moral decisions not to do it necessarily, but from our blindness. Like it comes from how we see the world and that we're on this journey. Like it was important for me to face the, the, um, the history in Tassie a bit and, and read some of that stuff, but I'm only glimpsing it. Like I, I, uh, and it's... And we live out of the truth we see. We can't live out of anything else. And so we actually need to face stuff. And so I'm with you, mate. I just didn't, it didn't occur to me. That's what we're talking well, about. This is the other problem, isn't it? That um, we all have, we all have a way of seeing the moment we're living in um, that is not seeing the full picture. And we're very complacent. We, we can tend to be very complacent about, what we think we see as opposed to what actually is. And, and Paul, wouldn't it be true for you that you've had to take a journey with coming to terms with your own Aboriginal history and, and your own beliefs about it? Ah, oh, it's so true. Like what I believe and what I see now is so different to what I did 10 years ago. And it, it is such a, for me, actually acknowledging it is it. And this is one of these things, you know, like acknowledging, acknowledging the truth is actually freeing. Mm. And that's what I found. It's freeing. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. And so somehow the church has to be a place we all acknowledge we see partially uh, and that our, our knowledge is growing and changing. Uh, and that, But at the same time, we hold on to truth, knowing as best we can, what we can, you know, that, that, that it is our understanding of even who God is, is so partial that, that we don't, we don't want to, it's somehow some sort of humility that's needed. Uh, but also we need to be able to take the journey to, to hang on to the stuff that re is really important and not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, thank you, Paul, for drawing our attention to it now and not at the end. And um, that's, it's good. And I'm sorry that we didn't acknowledge um, the country mm. and um, the people who are our first nation. Mm, absolutely. Um, and I do, I was, I was thinking um, with relation, with, in, in regard to seeing, our, seeing the world from our viewpoint, it's, it's right, we do do that. And we can have, we can be looking at the same thing and we'll see it We'll, um, we'll take from what we see or touch or experience different things and all of those things can be real they can be mm. and I've, I've got this vague memory of, um, of an Indian um, story or a proverb or something about how there were um, uh, three blind people maybe it was a story 
and they were each touching different parts of, the of an elephant. And based on what they were touching and experiencing, that was what they thought an elephant was. So maybe one was touching the trunk, another was touching the flank and another, I don't know, <laughs> the ear. And so their, their understanding and their definition, and so they were arguing about what an elephant was, when in fact they were all right, but none of them were right, because they all had hold of part of the truth. <laughs> and um, it's always been something that's been in my mind that when I see the world in a certain way and I, my understandings are not necessarily um, everything there is about whatever it is I understand. And so I find <laughs> it hard to see the world in black and white. And I find it hard sometimes to relate to people who do. <laughs> because I think, okay, um, so that's how they see it. And maybe if I was looking at it from their point of view, I'd see it the same way. <laughs> or coming at it from their set of experiences through their life, I wouldn't have a different view from what they've done. They've had kind of thing, and mm. so I always sometimes some it makes me second guess myself sometimes. Now, mm. um, maybe that can be an issue, but um, anyway, that's just where I come from. Sometimes I do find shades of grey um, more like what's real in the world than black and white, and I question black and white sometimes. Mm. So, um, yeah, mm. and, I, and I think. Sorry, sorry. sorry, I was going to say one more thing. Empathy. We talked about empathy a few times in different sermons, which is about being able to step into somebody else's world. And maybe um, perspective, other points of view, is part of what we need to be able to do. And I don't know how we do that without losing a sense of what is an ultimate truth. And I mean, some people would say there is no ultimate truth, as you talked about, Matt. I think that's the thing, though. And um... We talk about black and whites and greys, and I think when you understand there's grey in the world, that's when you might, that's when you start having empathy because you go, all right, this is the way I see it, oh, but they see it this way and they see it that way. So you go, oh, we've got all these different viewpoints about how we see things, and I think it comes down to this. In our human world, there's very few black and whites. And the black and whites we have to rely on are those that God give us. You know, I think mm. they're the ones we have to rely on is our God-given truths. Our, you know, there's certain things that he says is black and white. So it's a bit like um, our, our take on sin is, is a classic. You know, like to us, we have degrees of sin. God yeah. has one, one level of sin. But we, we still want to put degrees on in our world, you know, like, and that's, that's the way we make ourselves comfortable with the little sins in the world, I think, rather than necessarily admitting that it's all sin. And and I, I and I think, you know, as we take these next steps and being real, we we need to understand that church will be messy as Matt calls it. Be, be very messy because everyone has their own version of human truths. I'll, I'll put that label on it, human truth, which creates all these greys and blacks and whites in the church. But we've still got to hold on to the God-given truth, which is that there is a black and white truth there. And we've just got to admit that we are just imperfect. And, mm. and how do we deal with it? <laughs> I do remember uh, when I was a teenager and I, and I was 
probably too much of a teenager to appreciate the advice when it was given to me. But when I was a teenager, my, my dad pulling me aside and saying to me, kiddo, when you disagree with God, you're always wrong. <laughs> and that's really uncomfortable to, to think about. But actually, it's true, isn't it? I mean, we, as Matt's talked about, we've all got things in our belief system that actually are things we have to repent of. It is, but this is the challenge because what he, the God he has in his head when he's saying that is different to the God you have in your head when you're saying that. Oh, sure. And, yeah. And, and, that, and that's, this is where it gets to the nub of the problem. And, and this is what I was trying to communicate a bit on Sunday. I want to spend a lot more time communicating that there is, there is reality. Yes. And, and, and we hit it. And our dysfunction and our sin and it, it, we, we hit reality at point blank range and, and it produces either life or death, you know. Mm. And so there are parts of our life that are alive and growing and producing holy, healthy, fun, full, life-giving relationship. And, and there are parts of our life that aren't. Uh, and so, so I think there are, uh, uh, what I was trying to do on Sunday is point the direction to becoming aware of where the fruit is good and where it's not, but also the Bible, this is, and what's been so important for me, because there's all sorts of, going to seminary, you learn that there's all kinds of theological debates about, you know, does God really mean this or that? And you'll say there are points where the Bible's not clear. And, but ultimately, the Bible grounds everything in Jesus. Yeah, and and he he is the fixed point. He is the plumb line, the the cornerstone, and he is always challenging. That as as I as I hold my life up to him, I see plenty of rough edges, uh, and and even if I'm only holding myself up to what I can currently see of him, that's enough. But he, what I love is God didn't send a theology; he sent a person into history, uh, and. And he becomes the focal point, the fixed point, the, the black and white truth that we have to engage with. And it's, it's probably what I find interesting is that most of our debates happen not so much about who Jesus is and his teaching, but other bits of the Bible, other pieces of often systematic theology that we fight over. Uh, so there is this, there is this fixed point, uh, but it is... But it is awkward, and so it's it's and and it does ask something. So so both the the reality testing and being able to look at our own behaviour and seeing what fruit, because you know, all of us have lives that uh, are a mixture of good and bad that produce that produce health and unhealth. But but also, as Hebrew says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, you start to realise. There is, a, there is a fixed point there. There is a, there's a, a point from where reality comes. And, and I, I think for me, I've had to ground it because when I use, when I hear, I hear so many people arguing about what God says, uh, that I've discovered that for me and for others, even God becomes a reflection of uh, my own desires. And that, that word becomes something I project myself onto. It's a lot harder to project yourself onto Jesus because he's a person. And uh, he, he's, yeah, anyway, so that's, yeah. I'll stop rabbiting on. We do have a, there are a lot of, it's something that you hear sometimes, isn't it? People talk about my God mm. and it's a dangerous thing because they're, they're reading their own stuff into God. Absolutely. 
So um, tell us about what you moved on to in the second half of the message, Matt. Well, I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of just did. In that, like, I, I looked at, we looked at the 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 what Paul talks about in the Book of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, but yeah. also the the other side of things, uh, and that uh, Jesus, this this passage in Isaiah where God says, "I'm going to place a plumb line in mm. in in, uh, in Jerusalem, a cornerstone," and and Jesus is completely is often referred to as the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the place where everything else is measured. But he's also referred to as the stumbling block, the, the, the one over, you, you trip over him. You can try and, you know, make other things sound good and whatever, but you trip over him. And, uh, and, this, and I think what I was trying to do is to help people get to a point of honesty. Uh, help, I, want to, I want to help myself get to a point of honesty where I can face that, you know, I've been a pastor for you know, 10 years or so. I was in ministry for 20 years before that. But I've, got, I've still got so much messy stuff in my life that I'm not real proud of. Uh, and, and all of us do. But there's also a beautiful part uh, that is creating the image of God. And that, that gradually, as I hang around more with Jesus, I gradually grow. Uh, and that, so that's, I, I was hoping, that's the second part of the message was, you know, again, bouncing off the tree diagram that I'd introduced, that that this is the journey of growth, learning to, to more and more align my beliefs with the truth of who, who Jesus is. And I think I was wanting to make clear that that's, that's not a simple journey. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who turn up in church every Sunday for whom it's not a journey they're engaged with at all. Let's throw that tree diagram up and have a talk about it. No worries. I think I can do that. Uh, now, obviously, for those listening on uh on the podcast and we're hoping that the majority of people will be listening on the podcast. You won't, uh, you won't be able to see it. Uh, but, but it's basically, it, it, I don't know, Matt, do you want to describe it? Uh, sure. So, so Matt's got a tree here. Uh, it's got its roots down the bottom. It's got the, and, and that the roots are called uh, what I believe is true. And then we've got the trunk of the tree and there's a little arrow that says values. What I think is best. The branches have been labeled actions what I do. And then we've got the results, which is the fruit. Uh, that, that diagram's in the sermon notes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So people will be able to find that in the link to the uh, sermon notes. So part of the reason I was wanting to do this is just to help us. And, and, and very intentionally, the fruit is different colored. Mm. Uh, and I, I know, like it's interesting, even looking at my I think there are aspects in which I was a good dad. There's also aspects in which my kids carry scars because I was full of myself. Uh, and both are me. I, I had someone, uh, an, uh, Pete, uh, send another email. He's saying, well, yeah, you can see how beliefs really matter, but what about your sin nature? You know, the, the, the Bible says the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do do. Well, part of the... I think part this is where for me this is so central. We one of the one of the wrong beliefs we can have is that we as a Christian should have it all together and we shouldn't have a messy side. We shouldn't have a dark side. Aligning your beliefs with reality is aligning the the truth of the Bible that grace means you are loved despite the fact you're messy, and and that the and also 
being able to be honest with like if i'm there are there are times where i'm much more interested in how people see me than communicating the truth of god there are times where i'm much more interested in watching tv than loving my wife or my kids and i'm not proud of that and i don't need you to fix me up because you know i don't don't need emails from people worried about me because uh, I, I also know something about everybody else <laughs> it's true everybody Mm. That, that there's two sides to all of us. And, and that's what I mean by aligning your right beliefs. You, you actually, most of us don't have adequate beliefs. And in our modern society, it's, it, we kind of fall into the trap of thinking you've got to be true to yourself. But we don't have any nuance into terms of, is that your sick, sick self or your healthy self? And usually it's a, it's a mixture of both. Uh, yeah. and, and so your beliefs come from both places and they produce your values which you think is best and then you're and that's what produces your actions and then, then we fight over the results but the results are always the the last thing that's the problem hmm. and did you have a response to the tree diagram oh well i've already talked a bit about it but um, i'll talk about it again because um it seems to me coming back to that those two verses that i mentioned earlier on about uh, putting your roots down in love and getting rid of a the bitter root mm. um, is that, and I guess the bitter root has its own kind of fruit, if you like, by the time you get to it. Um, so it will, um, you know, sort of shape values, it will shape um, your actions, and then that will produce certain outcomes. Um, it could be anger, an anger root, or, um, but weird, but I don't know if that's about belief. Um, but I guess the belief is in something that causes the bitterness or um, the anger to emerge. Um, I'm, maybe I'm getting a bit wound, a bit mixed up. But um, the other thought that I've got, and it, it's another little picture in my mind. Um, I saw a TV program on one occasion, and it, it's by a guy called, who was a bonsai expert. And he was showing how to... Um, shape and, and prune back a tree, a, a bonsai tree that needed a bit of reshaping to be all that it could be. And I looked at it and I thought, well, that looks really nice the way it is. And then he set to work cutting all this stuff out and he really went to town. He cut here and he cut there and then he'd look back and he'd come back in and cut a bit more and um, he even went right down into the, the branch system. It wasn't just leaves he was cutting off. And he looked at the trunk and he, he said, well, if I cut this branch right here at the trunk, it will, it will be okay here. And, and he did work work there. And then he actually did work around the, the roots of this bonsai tree. And he said, and you know, the art of bonsai is to display the roots the way the roots and and you bring the roots to look to the most advantage that you can because the roots are really important to the tree and it was just this and by the time he'd finished and he said and we'll we'll just move this root here and we'll shape it there and maybe do a bit of a tweak here with this root and by the end of it the tree had was transformed and i thought oh i thought this looked nice before but here it was, and it looked amazing, and um, and the and he had he absolutely brought out the shape and structure of the branches and the trunk, and the roots, 
and he was a master bonsai um, artist, if you like. And I think of my God as the master bonsai artist for me and for, for you when you trust your life to Jesus. And, and Jesus himself said, I am the vine. He didn't, put, he said, didn't say I'm the tree, but it might, he could have. I am the vine and you are the branch. And so, um, if you like, he's the trunk and, and, and when we ground ourselves in him and his roots of love and selflessness and love for our neighbours and that kind of approach to life, and our actions, the branches, our actions reflect Christ values and Christ love. Mm. Um, and, and, and then that shows the fruit. Mm. Um, that Matt talked about in Galatians yesterday. So, yeah, so for me, there's a lovely picture there. And sometimes we need pruning. Mm. And that's where you came, you, you talked about discipline yesterday, Matt. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. So we, we spend a lot of time as, um, not just in a church community, but in the broader, in our broader community as well, where uh, we spend a lot of our time just looking at the branches and just looking at the fruit that people are producing, but not actually seeing anything deeper than that. Uh, Paul, how do we deal with that particular challenge when we're um, trying to build a healthy church community? I think the the um, it comes back to what Matt says. You know, people have, people said you've got to be true to yourself, and I was actually thinking about that. And I think you do have to be true to yourself in the fact that you have to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you're, if you're actually honest with yourself, and this is really, really hard, generally, but most of the time you know you're doing it anyway, the sin in your life is obvious, the bad fruit is obvious. If you're actually honest with yourself, you can, you're, you can see where your beliefs come from if you are honest with yourself. And, I, I, and so you have to be true to yourself because it's only when you're true to yourself do you actually understand where your beliefs come from. So I actually, I get this, this bit of a circular argument going in my head, which is always interesting. But if you're, not, if you're not true to yourself, you'll never understand your motives. You'll never understand your beliefs. You'll never understand exactly where you're going wrong and right according to what God has for you and God's desire for us to live. To live it. And I think, I think as a church, and I was also, this is the other thought that was going through my head was Matt was speaking before was, as a church, it's a, it's, a really, it's a really strange struggle inside because to me, God is screaming, why don't we just do it? <laughs> and other people are going, I don't want to do that. You know, like, mm. and it's just, I, I don't know how to balance it, Matt. I honestly don't know how to, to do it. All I know mm. is it's going to be messy. Mm. And, and as a church, if we embrace God fully, Let's be honest, if we if we embrace God fully as a church, people will fall away, others will come, and we will look different, just like the mm. master bonsai person. You know, like we will look different. Mm. And it, but I suppose it's up to everybody just to be willing to actually do that. And that's how do we get a church willing to do that? That's the that's the challenge. It's yeah, <laughs> that's the challenge for all churches all over the world. And I don't have an answer, Matt. No, and for me, it's it's how do, how do I get myself willing to do it? 
And it's a it's a day by day, moment by moment question for each one of us. And kind of what I'm wanting to help our people see at the moment is that there's all kinds of forces wanting to use them as marketing tools or to get them into ways of thinking. But somehow we've got to learn to take responsibility for for our own lives. And like you're saying, mate, just own ourselves. Like and 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 a whole lot of our beliefs we're not even conscious of. They're subconscious. You know, and and it's only as we can start to admit, well, that bit of my life's not working so well. And it's often to do with you. It's the external things you can see. So you can see your health and often there'll be things you can see in your health that's not so good or you'll, there'll be things in your relationships or uh, and and as I look to Jesus it's another point of reference but but it is this is I don't I don't know if you can get a church to get to a point where everybody is fully sold out to God I'd love to believe that was true uh, I think I don't think we'll ever get there either no not, not this side of eternity but I do believe that for each one of us there'll be moments and and uh and and every day it is for me it's a choice every day and i don't always make it which is a scary thing to say as a pastor but sometimes i'm full of myself sometimes i'm full of crap uh and and i i need to be able to i I think i need a church where i can be honest about that and i need mates who know me well enough who know me when i'm full of crap um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say crap on the podcast. I think it's slightly easier to say that on a podcast than on when I'm preaching. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll find well, I, out. We'll find out when we get the yeah yeah get the mail. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, that's the stuff. Like I, we need we need a fellowship of people who know that they are both beautiful and messy, uh, and both of those parts of them are called are part of the conversation. And that somehow Jesus is also part of the conversation as an external reference point, and the the unhealthy fruit and the healthy fruit, you know, the healthy fruit gets reinforced and the unhealthy fruit gets pruned and pointed out. Sometimes, you know, it's but, it, but it's also acceptance too. I think yeah, I think we need to be more accepting of others. In, the, in like one yeah. of my my journey is meant you know through mental health issues is. I never used to talk about it. I would never admit that I was mentally not having a good day. Mm. But now I do. And some people look at me really weird and other people go, oh, that's really cool. So Mm. it's even, it's accepting in yourself that you're having a bad day Mm. and it's others accepting around you that, oh, they're having a bad day. That's okay. You know, like it's, 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 and there's a whole, that's a whole messy community, isn't it? It's a whole being able to be honest in that community and, and, people don't have to solve your problems they just have to walk beside you and grow with you and that's that's where it's at preaching but i mean there is something so powerful about that whatever whether it's a mental health uh issue or, or whatever it is the ability for someone to be able to be honest about where they're at own it and acknowledge it and to be accepted for being where they're at that's where you get to real community So, Matt, uh, I was wondering if it was possible for you to give us a little sneak peek at what we're going to be talking about next Sunday. Yeah, well, I'm hoping uh, between here and there to have uh, little some little cards printed out with this tree diagram on it, but also the model that we'll be talking about. So we're basically going to talk about uh, how there really are 
five things to be thinking about on the journey of discipleship. And, and next week we'll be talking about like, it's not rocket science. This is not, none of this is complicated and everybody already knows it, but it's just sort of making it visible uh, that in order to actually be a follower of Jesus, he actually needs to be a focus. Uh, yeah, you know, again, like I said, not rocket science, except that uh, what it means is we actually need to hang out with him. We need to spend time reading about him. We, he actually needs to be a point of reference in our lives uh, more than our Facebook feed or, you know, the whatever uh, Princess, Princess Harry and Megan are doing, you know, at the moment or, you know, what's happening with the... Uh, it's in the world of sport or on the block or, you know, we get so much other, dare I say, crap bombarding us uh, that, uh, and most of us feel so time poor that we, we actually, we have to make some choices to, to actually focus on Jesus and more than just on the hour and a half on Sunday morning. So that's what, so that's what we talk about next week. What does it mean to actually focus on Jesus and for that to be the ground from which we live our lives. Um, and then we'll be talking about over the, next, the coming weeks, what does it mean to create space to reflect, to actually do this kind of work we were talking about, where you stop and think, oh, let's, what does it mean for me to stop and listen and, and look at the fruit of my life and work out how do I do that? What does it mean to recognise uh, the truth? What does it mean then to choose differently that I currently am choosing what does it mean to actually do it, to act, not just talk about it? So they're the, that's the general trajectory over the next, next five or six weeks. But next week, it really is focusing on Jesus. Can I just say something? And I know we're probably needing to draw things to a close. And I just wanted to, I wanted to pick up a little bit on Pete's question and also on comments that um, Matt Garvin and Paul Dare made in relation to um, we're messy and... Mm. And we can, know, we can know the truth of Jesus and we can focus on Jesus, but we still, um, you know, stuff up and do things that we wish we hadn't done and all of the rest of it and um, make life difficult for those around us and, 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 and feel a bit like failures sometimes in our walk with Christ and all the rest of it. And I think um, there's something we, or someone who we haven't talked about yet and that mm. is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit mm. of God. Jesus promised when he said, I have to go so that the Spirit can come. Mm. And be because we cannot do this on our own. We cannot rise above our own view of the world. We cannot mm. rise above our own mess mm. without the insights and the, the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us and being open to his spirit working in us and I wanted to just um, I'm going to read it because I haven't memorized it or anything but it is a very special verse and it's in Romans 12 and it gets to this thing about we're constantly stuffing up we do what we don't want to do we don't do what we'd like to do and so forth and it's this um, call by Paul to say keep renewing it's by renewing the constant renewing of your mind transforming your mind to become more like jesus and it is the spirit of god that enables us to do that and it's from romans 12 therefore this is what i want you to do 
God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And another way of saying that would be, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, the Thank truth you. of God. So I just wanted, that was something that I want to leave as my parting comment. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great place to end us on. Um, so I want to thank uh, Matt, Paul and Anne for joining me today and, and thank everyone who's listening. Uh, this has been the Next Steps podcast. Uh, please, if you enjoyed listening uh, rate the podcast, like it, share it. Uh, please, we, we want as many people to listen as possible. And yeah, please send us your questions. Um, we love questions. And um, yeah, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. <laughs>